Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Edinburgh Fringe. <laughs> Bill Murray in Angel. Uh, please welcome a man who feels like he's the Edinburgh Fringe, even though he isn't. And there's some people arriving who are going to get in his way. It's worth saying. Richard Herring! <laughs> it's alright, the audience just doubled as I, as I came on stage. Fantastic. It's a very Edinburgh Fringe vibe here. Uh, welcome to uh, Richard Herring's. Low solvent technology podcast. Um, yeah, it's uh, we, we're looking into why some solvents. It's a new, it's a new direction. I don't know if you saw it on. We're just looking into some why some glues uh, fail uh, quicker than others. It's a new podcast talking to various comedians about what their views on that are. But uh, I was talking to some people doing a magic eye the other day. I, I said I could see the dolphins. I couldn't. Uh, they call it Rahalist bus. So I don't know if that's going to catch on. Uh, yeah, it, it is very much like the Edinburgh Fringe in that uh, I'm recording four podcasts in, in two days. Uh, so um, nothing's really happened to me in the uh, t- 12 hours since I was last in this venue doing a podcast. Uh, so I will just tell you, uh, thank you for coming, everyone who's come along. Uh, as, a, as a thank you, and because my garage is very full of junk, um, you have got some uh, free Rahalastapa. 
Thank you, gifts. Uh, and uh, if you feel like doing so, don't feel no obligation. There's a bucket on a chair on your way out. If you feel like making a donation to Scope, that would be lovely, but don't feel uh, you have to. Uh, I'd also remind you that uh, is going on. Thank you. Thank you. It's going on. Is going on tour uh, this uh, autumn and next spring. So go to richhane.com slash uh, And it's good there's only one person doing it. That's, like, that's what I like. But it's good. It's like everyone said, you can do that, mate. When, uh, when that comes up, you do it. We've got it covered. We don't have to exhaust ourselves. Uh, we've got some fantastic guests coming up. So do come along and see it. Um, but look, we're going to crack straight on. We have an amazing uh, guest uh, who's never been on before, amazingly, uh, but uh, she is fantastic. Uh, she's probably best known, or do I have to say they're... Uh, she's young, so do I have to say they're best known? Uh, uh, for you, you she, or... I didn't ask you your pronouns. Phew, thank God I got it right. Uh, she... <laughs> I could have been cancelled. She is probably best known uh, for appearing in The Dog Ate My Homework. That's why we're all here. Will you please welcome the incredible Elf Lions, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Elf Lions. How are you? I'm really good. Good. You How get, are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm extremely good. Uh, do you get stopped in the street a lot about the, the dog ate my homework? No, but I really wish I was because it was genuinely the most pleasurable TV experience I've had because I've always wanted to be gunged. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like a proper old school. Like I got dressed up as a giant bee and attached to a zip wire. <laughs> and then I got dropped. Actually, it was quite harrowing in hindsight. So I had to stand on this box um, and they aren't ask you questions. And if you get three wrong, you get dropped down a hole. Oh, my God. And you land on like a little trampoline, but it's actually quite big. And in the on the episode, it's only like two minutes. But I was up there for kidding up for about 45 minutes because the kids just refused to get the art, like... We had the general manager just in the whisp in the it, whisper piece. The whisper piece, I think it's called. Yeah, piece, just saying, get the answers wrong, and you don't want to get the answers wrong because you're an adult. <laughs> and these kids were getting really annoyed with me that I was purposely getting these answers wrong and then right, and then I was up there for ages, and the red chair got dropped, and it okay. was quite harrowing. We could have gunged if you'd not. If I'd known you wanted to be gunged, we could have arranged. We could have arranged a gunging here. Yeah, for an audio <laughs> format, that'd yeah. be perfect. Imagine you've got guns at the start, and then. <laughs> No one and no one mentions it, and you just have to sit in gunge for the rest. We could of the just podcast. make the sound effects. <laughs> I mean, oh. I don't know what gunge. Sound. That's actually quite. That sounds very OnlyFans, actually. But it was quite nice. <laughs> quite liked it. Um, good. Look, well, let's talk about the Edinburgh Fringe. You've done the Edinburgh Fringe many times. Uh, oh, with... So many times. But what I love, what I love about you, and I, we were discussing backstage. The first time I saw your act was in 2010, when you were very young. I mean, you're still young. So I'm it's still you, young. You, you, but. Uh, but yeah, I saw you doing a, a, a set at some club, which I can't remember whereabouts. Mainly about the London Underground. Was it London Underground rolling stock you were interested in? Or, or, yeah, so yeah. I was interested in like, the S stock and the yeah. Harry Beck. And so I took that to Edinburgh. <laughs> <laughs> One hour show about the London Underground. And I think it was, and it was received. <laughs> <laughs> Did the locals like that? The, the audacity of someone coming from England? Yeah, I think, I think it was just base? the absolute passion of watching a 19-year-old girl just tell you and show you diagrams of her favourite tube lines. <laughs> and like the fact that the Jubilee line runs on average 44 four miles per hour yeah yeah okay it didn't get a laugh then but (laughs) it just got a a, a wave of interest from this quite nerdy audience "Hmm." (laughs) please tell us we could talk about that the whole show if you like uh but you but you've always been very inventive and done and experimental i think within stand-up and and within 
theatre. Well, yeah. life, life. life. Your life <laughs> is quite an adventure. Uh, and you've, you've, I mean, you were, you, you famously trained at uh, the the clown school in Paris. That yeah, I didn't do clown though. Why? This is. Well, I, I was busy. I had other. I, had, I, everyone bangs on about Philippe Gollier being like a clown school. The poor man hates that it's known as a clown school. <laughs> it's not a clown school. It's a theatre school. Like he does, like Shakespeare, Chekhov, Mask. <laughs> He does all this stuff, and you spend the whole year there, like with 30 other people from around the world, like learning about the traditions of theatre. And in the final two weeks of the year, like 60 Australian comedians <laughs> rock up to learn. Clown is a boy, I hate this bit of the year. Everybody talk about being a clown. <laughs> and then I didn't go, I came back to the UK and did. Oh, I did the Ducky Homosexualist Summer School at the Royal Vauxhall Tavern, okay. which was for queer artists to make, like, live art. So I missed... Which was then, I think, really annoyed some people in my year because I didn't study clown at Gollier, and then I did shows, and they're like, clown, elf lions. <laughs> like, she is not a clown. <laughs> so he resents the clowns, he but really also resents res- anyone who then clowns who hasn't tried yeah. to be a clown with him. Yeah, and then loads... And everyone, <laughs> I always find it really funny because he's like, he hates audience participation. <laughs> he hates you looking people in the eye. He hates people getting up on stage. He hates throwing people with water. He hates people getting the dicks out. And that's <laughs> you know, what so many people who went to Gollier do. He's like, this is not clown. <laughs> He doesn't sound like that, by the way. <laughs> it's like he set something up just to annoy himself. That's yeah. He could always just go, I'm not going to do... I'm going to not do clowning anymore. Yeah, but I think he it. likes being paid in cash. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you, well, you, you do clowning. You've, you worked yeah. in sort of horror. You, and what, so what's, what's, this, what's this year's show before we get on to the horror? Um, which is... So over lockdown, I started learning sign language, yeah. um, British sign language, and then uh, I met Duffy, who is a really amazing visual vernacular performer and VV's like mime in high definition and it's a type of theatre that um, was created by the deaf community the deaf actor acting world and he's the specialist like he's one of the best performance performance artist makers in that world and we just became friends and he's he's Scottish and he's never been able to go to the fringe before he's never like it's just been really hard to find a venue etc so we were chatting and then we decided to make a show about a heist where... And we just do the entire thing in mime and VV and then I sign it and we sign together and then I make all the sound effects and audio and audio describe it. And, uh, yeah, and he's a testicle thief. Uh, wow. No, I'm a testicle thief. I've got a magic <laughs> vagina made out of snakes. <laughs> and he is, he's got really explosive balls. Okay. Um, which I think I this still... is going to be triggering for me, this show. So, <laughs> so I, don't think sorry. I, I don't think I, oh, I, yeah, don't sorry. Think, I don't think I can go and see this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already very upset about You're going to gunge you. me now. I wish I had gunged you. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, it's just completely bat, batshit crazy. And mm-hmm. it's, really, it's really fun. And we're just doing it for two weeks. Yes. First two weeks, monkey barrel. Have a great time. No press, nothing. <laughs> no top lists, nothing. Yeah. We're just going to do it every day. Have a good time. Go home. No, it sounds fantastic. And also that's, you know, it is... Because Edinburgh is so difficult for disabled people to be in, to be involved in because most of the venues are, are absolutely inaccessible yeah most but of the venues oh, yeah, yeah, it's not something people th- think think about so much even the sign language yeah absolutely like even Chortle put up their top 10 disability themed shows and you're like it's not disability themed like yeah go you know what I'm gonna pick this year <laughs> not being able to walk no it's not people don't do that 
So it's disability-led, but yeah. yeah, most venues aren't accessible. To get a caption, uh, to get a uh, you know, sign language interpreter is really difficult. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of also... So we make we play on the fact there are so many assumptions people make within about here deaf culture and like the interpreter thing that a lot of interpreters find really frustrating especially when they're signing at comedy gigs is hearing comedians taking advantage of the interpreter but being like oh can, what's cunnilingus what's the and just yeah, getting the I've interp- done that a few times I have to say yeah. sorry it's, but, it's, <laughs> but it's this thing that everyone's like it's funny but like for the deaf audience going right okay we're just sort of having our culture like oh. thrown back at us yeah. for the sake of laughter on hearing people so we play with those and you know the whole rose in Strictly Come Down dancing and it's just fun because i don't i'm not fluent in sign language yet so most of the time i one time i was trying to sign something and i accidentally signed i was going to commit suicide but that's very different it's very similar to signing i'm going to defeat you (laughs) so it really changes the vibe of the scene and saying you're tired is very similar to saying you're depressed um torch is very similar to dickhead (laughs) so you know you've got loads of misunderstandings that's fun my son who's five is they they teach it to them at school a little bit, so he comes and does that. Yeah, which I believe is thank you, but thank I probably you. just told you to fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, fuck yourself is this? Okay, <laughs> I, I, I can do that one as well. I use that one as well, so that's good. But you're also so that's great. That sounds fantastic. People must go and see that. That sounds brilliant. But you are also work with other comedians. You're a mentor, really, with comedians. You do lots yeah. of courses and mentor other comedians. So a yeah. lot of your shows are up in Edinburgh that you're involved with. Right? Yeah, so I've ended up helping and like doing. I think it's just, this is just a lovely thing, isn't it? Especially like just doing lots of live work and making shows that you want to make and also just refusing to sort of go down the line that might make... I think my agents in the past have gotten frustrated because they do want to make money. Yeah. <laughs> and then I make shows that make them totally financially unviable. <laughs> and so making shows that I really like and then attracting audiences that go, oh, I want to make a show where I can just be myself. So it's been really cool. Lots of different artists coming forward and then I'll come with them and mentor them on slapstick or if they need to use mime or dramaturgy and stuff. So I've directed a lot of shows for Edinburgh this year and then a lot of artists I've worked with privately on stuff. Because some people are like really up for saying, oh, yeah, so-and-so helped me with their show. A lot of people are like, I don't want anybody to know anybody help me with anything. (laughs) It's a a weird thing. I mean, like I think like it's quite old school now to, uh, to want to be completely in control. You know, I would never even think of bringing... I mean, I think I've, I did for some of the plays I did, I had a director, but I would never think of having a director for my, for my stand-up or for someone helping with my stand-up. But, it, but a lot of people do. A lot of people have writers and, you know... And... Yeah, it's become a very common thing I've noticed and also quite fashionable to say so-and-so, a larger name, has directed yeah. your show. That's not why people ask me to direct <laughs> those. But I, um, but I don't think it really is directing because the truth is it's like... If you direct an actor and you're like, I need you to go downstage left now, you do have to do what the director says. You can't go, well, actually, for me, intrinsically, as the character, I want to be centre stage. You do what the director tells you. But me, as a director of comedy, with the... If it's their first hour, they've got to learn, you know, it's their choices, it's their show, it's their narrative. So yeah. I can say as much as how many sessions we, they want to spend with me, and I can say, well, I personally don't think we should end on a dick gag there, I think we should do this. <laughs> but if that's what they really want to do in their heart, then... Yeah. So it could. it's really funny, you can spend loads of time with an artist and then they're not really taking on anything because it's their show, but they just really, a lot of times, some people just want the space to play and showcase and experiment and do the, all the all the groundwork before taking what they want in front of a crowd, in front of an audience. Yeah, yeah. I guess, you know, I, I would just use 
I would. I mean, I'm, well, I, the way I do it is just do lots of previews, and so I use the audience as that sounding board, I suppose. Yeah. But I guess if you're worried you won't get an audience, or if it's an early show, I can understand why you would. Yeah, do it. I think it's also when people just want to do something new, because yeah. I think there's that expectation, like especially when you're doing something weird, you've got to accept that you are going to get audiences that don't like it or haven't seen something like that before, and you are making your life a bit harder. Like I went to Oslo two weeks ago in Atlanta, which is like their biggest comedy venue. And it was really interesting because it was so evident the audience were not used to alternative. And I wasn't even being as alternative as I can be or whatever that means. But, you know, and I was like, I'm making my life harder for me because the audience are going to laugh less because there's this moment of them going, I've not seen a woman do Swan Lake as a mime (laughs) in a different language or whatever I was miming, killing myself as a spider, whatever it was. Can I just say it is funny? (laughs) I know it does sound funny, but you you are making your life a little bit more difficult when you do want to do the more alternative stuff. So I think it's working with someone who's done it and then backing you. And then me also being critical because now it's at that point they send me the videos and I'm like, no, that bit doesn't work. And it hasn't worked, and now you need to change it. Yeah, and then I become really mean. <laughs> Good. Well, I think it's really you know I, I really admire you for that, and I think because you started so young as well, and you know at a time when there weren't loads of women uh, in doing comedy, and I think it would have been easy for you to go down the route of going, I'm going to become a TV presenter, I'm going to do this. You know, you're a very good-looking woman, and you know Thanks. you could, <laughs> you could, and you know, and you're you're good, and you're immediately very funny. So it would have been easy for you, to, I think, to kind of go down a more a more traditional route. Oh, that's nice. I don't really think... I never, ever felt I was ever commercially viable from the get-go. Like, even after I got nominated, <laughs> yeah. I remember someone being told, well, they don't want a female clown. I was like, <laughs> OK, then. And they were like, well, you've got to focus on your show for next year. And I was like, OK. Like, I've never... But it doesn't... In truth, it doesn't really matter to me. Like, I want to make really good yeah. shows. And, you know, we were mentioning, like, the 1,000 True Fans... People come and see me, I recognise because they've seen me before and they've seen me again, and I really love that. Yeah. And, you know, you only get... A plastic bag is going to outlive us and our children <laughs> and our children's children, so why do I care if I got three stars and not a four from Chortle? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like, I don't really... I'm not going to change and I'm not going to queue for a club that doesn't want me as a member. Like, I don't have any interest to change myself for the sake of being on a TV show when the format and the world is changing so much. Yes. Which my family are like, yes, but if you just did some, if you didn't do, if you just did straight stand up, you could maybe, you could buy a house. And I'm like, you have no idea how money in comedy works, (laughs) Dad. I could flat. Or the housing market, either. I'd say, which an economist is a problem for a market. Yeah, well, it's good, you know, and I think. But I think most comedians would envy you it because it is, you know, you've stayed true to what you want to do and you're still doing it. And it's, you know, that's a 15-year career already, which is, which is phenomenal. I'm really happy. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm really chuffed. Yeah. <laughs> Good, I'm, I'm glad you are. I'm very content. <laughs> you uh, but you, you do, you know, you've, ex- you've experimented. You, you, I've, I've read, you, and you've obviously done a lot of stuff with horror, as we were mentioning, but it is interesting, the, the similarities between horror and comedy, that they yeah. sort of are... Two sides of the same coin, really. Oh, yeah, because they both control the heartbeat. They both... A good comedian and a good horror maker, they control how the audience breathe. Because the whole time, the audience mimic actually how you are. Like, you can tell an audience who's never seen a comedian before can tell if a comedian is nervous. Because if they come on and they just hold their breath, the audience go... (gasps) (laughs) <laughs> and everyone sits there and goes, oh, this is tense, and we build up a tense environment. And that yeah. comedian, no matter how funny their lines are, if they're not breathing properly, the audience are going to have a shit time, and so is the act. 
And it's the same with horror. And it's all about that ability to control just when the audience can take their breath, just when they hold it back, and when to release it. Yeah. Whether it be, you know, the pullback and reveal or the expectation he's going to come from that angle, but he was actually behind you the whole time. Yeah. And I really like that with horror and comedy. And it was really fun, actually, with Raven playing with that on stage. Uh, because it was a horror comedy show and it did really frighten people as well as make them laugh. And I thought that was really exciting because with live horror, what's so cool is you know from the get-go it's not real because there's only one person on stage. You can see all the working mechanics, which is why something like, you know, Woman in Black was incredible and it was such a travesty that it got taken off the stage and ended in March because it was one of the most... To be able to do that with just theatre and light and sound design and zero props is phenomenal and that's why you know anyway but with horror like with raven you know just being like telling funny stories and doing a dance where i pretend to be a nonce and then suddenly going from that again it what it is funny (laughs) it's funny and then doing a mime where i'm a i'm a a little fly being eaten by a spider and people got really upset and then turning into a monster at the end of the show which is what i do and then i bite loads of men's dicks off like it is literally No, with vegetables, okay, but oh, it's so, it upsets so I mean, many I don't people. think you're gonna, you won't sell some tickets if that, if, if the end of the, I mean, you'll sell some tickets. <laughs> don't but, kink <laughs> <shame>. <laughs> but, uh, It was yeah. with lots of fruit and vegetables. Okay. The budget for watermelons <laughs> was fucking insane. <laughs> I think I got through £250 worth of watermelons <laughs> by the end of Edinburgh, but they were organic, okay? And tax deduct, tax deductible. And tax deductible. Well, yeah, good and watermelon. the shop was really happy for our customer. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, but horror, essentially, the, a laugh comes from, a lot of the times, from the relief that the horror hasn't happened. So yeah. it's, it's just the next reaction, if something's a false bit of horror or, you know, a, yeah. a, a surprise. So it is, it's a really interesting point to make. And you said something about, uh, you know, bad horror is laughable and bad comedy is terrifying. Yeah. So it's, and, and the other way around. They really walk the yeah. trapeze line. Yeah. And that's a really fun thing. So even if the comedy doesn't work, you still achieved your expectation of being terrifying. <laughs> yeah. And bad horror is really funny. So yeah. either way, you sort of win. Yeah. And I quite like that conflict. <laughs> and how do you do the both really, really well? Which is what Inside Number 9, I think, did exceptionally well yeah. at the beginning. Even though they veered now more straight into straight horror. Because once it's good, you don't really matter what genre it is. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I like. Yeah. So that's what I want to continue making. <laughs> I like making people and, scared. Uh, well, does it say something about you? Yeah, because you seem, uh, in real life, you seem very bright and friendly and, and, and not, not a horror person. But is it, does it say something about what's going on inside your... Probably. Psyche? I mean, I probably... I had quite... I mean, uh, you know, when you're little, the world is really frightening. And if you've got a very over-imaginative imagination... Yeah. I always thought I could see ghosts. I'm certain I'm, there's a ghost in my partner's house at the moment. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm certain of it. But then, you know, you play with it and you put it on stage. And also, because I used to be a teacher, I found horror was a really fun format to teach the kids, the teenagers. And we do all the horror special effects because it's a form of control as well for them. Yeah. Things that frighten them. I'm like, okay, well, what are you frightened by? Let's work out how they make it on stage. Let's deconstruct it pull it apart and I think that's a nice that's the fun thing about horror and so anything that you're actually afraid about in real life that going okay I'm really frightened of flying so what do I need to know I need to know everything I need to know about flying to pull apart how planes work and I think horror encourages to do that because you watch all the horror effects and saw or the human centipede and you're like how did they do that special effect oh okay it's lubricant and latex okay that's cool and talking of the human centipede (laughs) it would be remiss of me not to ask you if you were uh, if you were to be put in a human centipede, but you could choose, you're in the middle, but you can choose who's ahead of you and who's behind you. 
Do you have any ideas? About, have you, if, I feel like you've, you've thought this through, even though you're pretending to think about it now. No, I have <laughs> I'm trying to think about what people eat, because I think yeah. that's integral. Like, it is who, a big part of it. You know, who, what do people regularly eat? Um, okay, and I'm in the middle. Yeah, you're in the middle, so you're, you're, you're eating and being eaten. I'm eating being What a lovely day out. Yeah. <laughs> Am I being gunned? Well, probably, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very different type of show. Um, Oh, God, I'm really bad at this off the top of my head. Um, my immediate thought was Julian Barrett at okay, the front. OK, why not? <laughs> my argument, my reasoning was like, he's just such a phenomenal actor. He is. I feel like if you're going to go for the Mighty Boosh Noel Fielding, I feel would, like, poop bird pellet kind of things. Yeah, maybe. I, would... think, I think Julian Barrett does great big shits. <laughs> That's my feeling. I think they're maybe big, I should, hefty maybe shits. Maybe I should go for something really like dainty. Maybe like like a dainty ballerina type at the yeah. front. Marcel must. I know he's dead, but yeah. I think maybe, well, maybe that'd be easier. But the point is, if he was at the front, I think maybe he had a quite a toned diet. Yeah. So maybe he would be quite compact and to the point. And he might just mime his shits as well. Maybe mime his shit. <laughs> um. um I suppose the person behind you has got to be someone you probably don't like. Yes, that's, that's that, the general idea. That's the general... Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know. I just want to explain it to yeah. you. <laughs> who, who do I not like? Oh, many pets insurance company. Oh, really? I'm going to put them on me. They've been a real faff recently. Okay. Um, I don't want to name names. Yeah, but no, they, they <laughs> Actually, they have paid it, finally. But I don't like now that you have to... In order for anyone to do anything, you've got to complain online. Yeah. I really hate that, because it means my nanny squeak, who's 93, is never going to get anything sorted, because they're not going to pay attention to her. But me, because I retweet and I'm bang on about it enough on the internet, yeah. I get really... Bad customer service. <laughs> I just don't understand why it's so bad. And, I, and I, my partner had to calm me down. He's like, you just got to let this go. And I'm like, I can't let it go. It shouldn't take half an hour for a coffee. <laughs> I see I've lost some people. <laughs> I think it's because I used to do so many odd, weird jobs. Yeah. And I remember I used to be, I used to sell the ice creams at the Old Vic and I took such, I mean, the money was terrible, but I took such pride <laughs> in doing that job. And like, you know, it can make someone's evening. Like a small thing can really, if the person at the box office isn't friendly, yeah. it doesn't matter how good the show is, all that person's going to think about is that person wasn't very friendly. Yeah. And people are so cruel nowadays. I know <laughs> This isn't funny. It's but okay. people are just so mean all the time. You're like, I'm sure she didn't act, didn't intentionally mean to hit you with a bag. <laughs> I think this is why I went into horror, actually, because a lot of people I murder are just in customer service. Yeah. Like, I hold a lot of grudges, and I think I can't carry that with me, so I just put it into horror. Yeah, well, I think just a horror film about killing people in customer service would be very successful. But do you know what? That's just... what I'm working on. Good, OK, good. <laughs> well, I think you're going to be a big star. I, I just can't, I can't get over <laughs> people being mean. I think this probably wasn't why I was... I, wasn't, I was a good teacher, but I just couldn't understand why children were horrible to each other. And it's so funny as a teacher, because kids have to psych, write these witness statements now. So, um, and it would be like, the child would be like... So they'll say, oh, this happened in the playground, so you get... A in and A's like, so I was in the playground paying no mind. B came up to me and said I couldn't read. I said I can read. And B kept on telling me that I couldn't read. So I decided to hit him around the face and show him who's boss. <laughs> I was doing it just to defend myself. And then B's statement was, I was in the playground and A started going on about how I had a Nintendo Switch. I don't have a Nintendo Switch. I then told him that he smelled and his ears look fat. <laughs> he then hit me. I then hit him back and I bit him. I was defending myself. And you read them and you're like, 
Ah, OK, whose side do I take? Yeah. No, well, I've got two children, so I'm very aware of <laughs> these, these battles <laughs> and that you can't, you can't win whatever happens. You have to keep but, yeah. such a straight face. Yeah, I'm very bad. I mean, my wife's much better. My, yeah. wife, my wife generally gets angrier than I just find them funny all the way, <laughs> Whatever they, however much they're hitting each other. Keep but you have to be, yeah, you mustn't. You must be, yeah. Uh, you must let them know that what they're doing is not funny. <laughs> no, I'm not good at it. Uh, I'm not good at it. It is funny. Though. I find it. See, I just find it. And I think since I've had kids for some reason, I was never good with blood and stuff. But I think I've never really been into horror. But ne- the older I've got, I just find it just I'm up too upset. Even I just look, see, see the description of something. Like there's a TV show about some murder. Uh, the, the, the Sixth Commandment's on at the moment. Oh, and it's God. meant to be amazing. But I just look at the story and go, I don't want to watch that. No, it's too depressing. Yeah. Timothy Spall is too precious. <laughs> I think it's also when it's true. Yeah, it's I true. think the thing about horror, like to an extent, like there is that sense of escapism. But nowadays, there's this weird under. I like, I hate like true crime podcast. Like, yeah. like, I don't like, like with recent stuff, like I think the obsession with it, there's something really bizarre because also it tends to always be women and the scenario like that Jer- jeremy dharma jeremy dar i can't remember this jeffrey dharma jeffrey dharma like i don't understand why you would put that on when there's so much amazing writing and so and when the world is so difficult there's so many amazing surrealist ideas that you can put on screen why do you cinema use beautiful cinematography to showcase the horrific death of someone whose name nobody will remember. Yeah. But then everyone fantasises and fetishises the hot guy playing the villain. Like, I find that really perturbing. I don't like it. Yeah, but it's human beings, that's why. Because people want to watch it. You know, it, 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 all these things are supply and demand, and they realise... You know, I, I did used to be fascinated by serial killers, but now I can't stand any of that stuff. So I used to read books about Fred West and that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, but I... But I I think it's a youth thing, maybe. Like, I I remember once being really... So, I didn't have any friends when I was little, um, and still don't, but I really... (laughs) No, no, I'm fine, actually. I'm really (laughs) (laughs) well-received. But I used to spend all my time in Choices, the film shop. Do you remember, like... It was, like, niche blockbusters. And I used to spend... And there was Kyle, actually. And I don't know... I bet you he does listen to your podcast. (laughs) Such a lovely man. He was a Satanist. If he... if (laughs) If you worked his Choices in seven, Oaks in the years like 2002 to 2009 thank you he would never charged us for late payment fees <laughs> on films and I used to spend my whole weekends there and I was just I would just watch the films on the screens they let me set me behind the desk and I just watch all these films and I remember coming home and there was this amazing film on the Rwandan genocide which I thought was phenomenal and I remember putting it down on a Saturday night with my mum and my mum was like no She's like, we are not watching this film. She's like, you can in your spare time. But I am not sitting down to watch this after a long day of work. Yeah. And I didn't really understand. I was like, well, you don't understand the powerful of cinema and John Hurt's in it. But then I think as a grown-up, you go, no, I just can't be, I can't be fucked anymore. Yeah, I think so. I, I just want it's... Pixar. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I, it is true. Uh, that's the nice thing about having kids. You can watch all of that stuff and it's, and so it's nice. not weird. Uh, Encanto's very good. I love oh, Encanto. Yeah, I love Encanto. I listen to this. That's my favourite music as well now. We listen. I just because we listen to the soundtrack all the time. It's Aww. good because I've obviously got a childish brain. Most most adults get annoyed that they have to listen to their kids' music in the car. I kind of like Encanto. <laughs> Part of the family, Madrigal. So, okay. <laughs> just me. It's good. It's written by uh, the guy who did Hamilton, isn't it? Partly. It was so sweet how you started singing, yeah. and then you like 
lost no confidence. No one liked and it. And I really wanted you okay, to Okay, carry on. on. We're part of family. <laughs> America, where all the people are fantastical and magical. It's the girl from Brooklyn Nine-Nine is the girl, little girl in it, and she's, a, she's absolutely brilliant, I think. I want to tell her how great she is, but, um, you know, don't. It would be a bit weird to go on Instagram. I know, follow her on Instagram. <laughs> go, I think you're very good as the little girl in Encanto. <laughs> <laughs> she's got, yeah, she's yeah, maybe be weird. not. Do weird. Sometimes you just got to pull back. Just got to go with it. But if she listens to the podcast, Stephanie Beatrice, I believe her name is. She's very, she's a very talented comedian. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Um, let's have a well, look, let's talk. We're talking about podcasts and which ones you don't like, but um, you do a podcast with your dad. He, um, yeah, he's the cool. I think he's genuinely one of the coolest people in the whole wide world, and okay. I love him because he brought. Because I, he's very tall, and he loves economics and Echo and the Bunny Men and Fulham. Okay, and those are the three things he loves, and the cat. <laughs> That's literally it. And I was when I wanted to be a comedian. Obviously, I was doing that thing of like, I've got to do something else. I've got to do something else. I've got to do something else. And my dad would sit me down. And he's like, David Beckham did not become the best football player but deciding to focus on swimming. He did it, he was good at football, and he practised. And he did it day in and day out, and he practised with his right foot and his left foot, and he kept focusing. And even though it's going to take a long time, if you want to be a comedian, you've got to focus. He doesn't talk like that, he talks more like, you've got to focus. (laughs) And I always loved economics, so I focused on economics. (laughs) And he's he's just a very calm, and he just adores economics. Like, he, he genuinely, like, he adores it more than anything. And, and inspired, like, in 2018, I made a show called Chiff Chaff, which was me doing a musical about all economic theories in an hour. What? And I did it as, a, like, a Liza Minnelli show. And I recorded my dad talking about economics, and I lip-synced him and then cut it in, because he loves punk music. So he used to break, teach me about all economic theories by playing me different punk music so he used to use dead kennedys to explain like global inequality and stuff like like flying lizards and like capitalism so it was really interesting but that was inspired because he said everybody thinks economics is boring and it's not boring economics is beautiful (laughs) (laughs) and so i sort of thought i'd like to combine that 
with the podcast and we don't get to see you know we don't get to see each other a huge amount because we're always so busy so yeah. i think nowadays like this like you don't really get to see your friends unless yeah. you collaborate with them yeah. i was like dad should we do a should we do a podcast he's like oh okay <laughs> what's that <laughs> so we do a podcast and i ask him economic questions and then we just sort of pull it apart yeah and it's I, really good fun i mean it's economics is a very i find that a very confusing subject as presumably economists economists do because it's not going very well well, it, it depends. It's going very badly in some places, but it's going very well in others. But, right. like, it also it depends what different types of economics you're talking about. Okay. Like, the economics of animals, the economics of theatre, the creative economy. Like, we always think economics is one big hobob. Yeah. But it's lots of different components, and there's some really interesting economists coming through. Um, but my dad, I think what I didn't like at school was that it was always so centred on maths when actually it's about history and it's about human history and looking at how people behave yeah. and looking where they invest their money and why they pay money. And, you know, these questions, is it better to die with debt than to die with profit? Like, what is it? And so, yeah, me and my dad just chat about that, basically. What's the, what's the, what's it called, the podcast? Elfonomics. <laughs> Good. It was originally what the hell is economics because <laughs> we thought that was really fun, but it's really hard to for people to type more than one word, yes. apparently. So alphanomics was just the quicker and easier one. Okay. So we do that together. That's good. And let's talk about you being called Elf, because it's. Not, I, I, I think I just always assumed you'd been christened Elf, maybe no. by someone who, you know, no. liked, liked Lord of the Rings or something. Not at all, no. Right. How, did, how did you come by the name Elf? It was a yoga instructor. Okay. And I was working at the Forest Fringe, and I was the door girl, and I had to make porridge for people in the queue for Daniel Kitson. And I'd never met Daniel Kitson, and I was really annoyed who this Daniel Kitson was. I was like, who organises a comedy show at 8 o'clock in the morning? So all the volunteers have to make porridge for all the people in the queue. Why is everybody queuing to see this man called Daniel Kitson? And everyone's like, we get to go and see him. And I'm like, I'm not going to go and see Daniel Kitson at 8 o'clock in the morning. I've been clubbing till 6am. I'm an 18-year-old. So I made porridge for everyone in the queue, and I'd do the door. And I was, you know, we were, none of us were getting paid, and it was at the Forest Cafe, which is now the Assembly, in Edinburgh. It was such a cool vibe. Like, you'd be there. You'd be there at, like, 7 in the morning, opening and cleaning everything up, and then you just party until 6 in the morning, and then you go and sleep somewhere for half an hour, and then you do the whole thing again. It was, like, amazing. Like, the best month of my life at the Forest Fringe. I really, that was my first Edinburgh experience. And I was like, wow, the world is an amazing place. <laughs> But there was a yoga instructor. And what I really enjoyed was that I used to get chatted up a lot because I was 18 and I was on the door. And, you know, I had really short hair. And I, th- and I just, I, I'd never had been chatted up before because I'd always been the ugly one in my friendship group because I had red hair. And then suddenly I went into the real world and people did fancy me. And I was like, this is the best day of my life. I do believe in God. And because I was really religious about that time, I was questioning. And then honestly, the amount of times that I had a good old pounds anyway we can cut that bit but the point is and a really lovely time i was like maybe god is real uh but the point is uh, zander came in and actually i did see him in a kink club recently and he did really well with bitcoin but the point is zander was in the queue and he looked at me and he had like this scottish american accent he's like what's your name i can't do accents and i was like oh my name's emily ann but everyone calls me eel which was my school nickname in okay. emily ann lyons and he's like eel that doesn't suit you you're more like an elf. And I was like, oh, that's nice. And and, that, and then he was like, my name's Andrew. And I was like, oh, like Buffy the Vampire set. And he's like, wow, I've never met a girl like you before. And I was like, <laughs> I just slid off my chair. And then, and then Daniel Kitson was playing. And he was like, come up with me. And there was an organ 
uh, upstairs on the upstairs level of this space where Daniel Kitson was performing. Anyway, so Zander took me up there and we had a lovely time while Daniel Kitson was doing the show. And then Zander was like, made me wear these headphones. In hindsight, it was just really annoying. But he was because I was actually starting to like what he was. Daniel, I was like, oh, it's interesting his use of wordplay and the way he spins out an anecdote. I want to pay attention. And and Zander was like, no, I want you to listen. Have you ever heard of Joanna Newsom? And I was like, no, who's that? He's like, well, I've never met a girl like you before. I get it educate you and he's like have you heard of Bikram yoga and I was like no and he's like I'm a yoga instructor and I was like wow this man is so amazing and he made me listen to Emily by Joe and I knew some which was like an eight minute long song and then listen to that and then after that I was known as Elf and every time I tried to introduce myself and Zander was there he's like no she's Elf now right. and so I sort of kept it I thought that sounded kind of cool so a predatory man <laughs> named you Elf and you've, you've decided to keep that as your name, as yeah. a sort of tr- a tribute to the way... Well, now you've retold it like that. <laughs> He's very happily married is now. Good? He had a small stint as a doctor, and all I know is he doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> oh, dear. What a, what, a, what a wonderful world we live I'm in. I'm really worried how this is going to come out. <laughs> I always feel this. I always talk, and I'm always like, I'm not, I don't think I'm saying too much information. And then occasionally I'll listen back to the podcast. I'm like, oh, dear, why did I talk about my bowels? Don't, <laughs> don't listen back to it. We'll talk about your bowels in a second. <laughs> I'm going to ask. I'll ask you an emergency question. It was. It was a very interesting story. It, but you no, know, I think it is. You know, like that's. <laughs> it, it, it's interesting. I think that's an, an interesting about a, a teenage woman. You know, where you're, where you were. You know, I met you when you were 19, and you know, you, I can. You were a very sort of magnetic personality, and so, but you were obviously had a kind of low self-esteem, and so. Um, I mean, of course you do. Yeah. Like, you're the only girl at most of these places, yeah, and yeah. you're still trying to find your tribe. And then most of the tribes were much older men yes and and they were lovely like so many like that's the lovely thing about the comedy world or that's sort of what i think is a really important part of it that we should keep is it's the idea that you were all the kids who didn't have a place to sit at the table at lunch and then suddenly you become the cool kids who have the table but unlike before where you reserve all the chairs you always have the chairs sat open so anyone can sit up if they want to and i always liked that about Edinburgh about the comedy world and yeah. I really like it now. It's why I love travelling to different countries to gig. It's, that, it's always that feeling of you can walk into a room of comedians and you don't know each other you might not all speak the same language but we all know that at some point we weren't invited to sit at the table yeah. and then there's always like that, oh come and join Like that is, I really love that mentality and it's something I think is really special. I think there is, you know I had a, a fireman on Lee, Lee Hosey Pickett on my um, book club and he says where, whenever you go in the world as a fireman other firemen just accept you and you're, yeah. you just immediately get on but I think it is true of comedians though I should point out not all comedians have turned out to be great people uh, as, uh, well, yes, this is the problem, I just want to say that there are there have been a couple of cases some historically of them have been really bad. They, have, they may have been welcoming to begin with but only no, so yeah. they could masturbate in the corner at you yeah, yeah. Oh dear. Yeah, there's some. I think the problem is, is comedy should never be cool. I think that's the thing. Yeah. It shouldn't. Be, if you're trying to do comedy to be cool, absolutely not. No, like, it's not a cool thing to do. I don't think it is. But that's what I like, and I don't like comedians who like try to be like cool. It doesn't fit for me because it's the kids who weren't cool who find a place to be. 
Yeah. And and still remain uncool, I think. I yeah. Think, you know, I think I'm not cool at all. And yeah. I said this to my students, like, kids, I'm so uncool. And the kids were like, you are cool, miss. I was like, no, I'm not, mate. And that is why you never aspire to be cool. But when we did Drama Society, all the little kids, we did this, you know, all the kids who came to Drama Club, and we do, like, reenactments of The Shining. Um <laughs> Why did I leave? Um, but, it was, but I would always say to the kids at the start of the lesson, and this kid's like age 11 to like 16, I was like, remember, this is the coolest place in the world right now. The coolest place is where you and your friends are. It's never out there. It's never the place that you're not. It's right now where you are. And the kids were like, yeah. And I'm like, right, okay, so who's going to play Jack Torrance? And they're like, me, me. We do that. But I, d- I think it's a dangerous, not dangerous, but I think it's a really, and Edinburgh can create that, the mental, especially with the awards, yeah. that idea that, someone else quantifies your validity as an artist. I find that really problematic. Yeah, but I mean, but uh, any artist has to, you know, or performer has to, has the audience have to do that to some extent. So, you know, so it's like, and there's every chance that someone could be amazing and no one ever discovers them or they, or they give up too soon. You know, with a comedian, you know, you hear so much, someone going, I had a brilliant first gig and a terrible second gig. And you kind of think, if you'd had the terrible gig first, you probably would have never gone back and been a comedian. You know, yeah. you'd, you'd have had to have the good one first. Yeah. So for most people, some people have terrible first ones to carry on. But then you think, so it all spins on that one audience, that one occasion. Yeah. And you could have had nine fantastic gigs afterwards and you, don't, you never know because you don't the second one. So there's all this chance in it, but it does, you know, you need, a, it, it's about validation. It's about connecting with people. But yeah, it doesn't, one person's opinion. Well, this is it. It's a two-way thing. Like the orchestra of the audience. They're a rare breed. You're never going to have that audience again. And it's a two-way thing. Like you both have the ability to affect the outcome. But then it's all economics, isn't it? Like, (laughs) you know, each individual in this room will spread their word to one friend or two friends and it's up to them. And then the audience Yeah, fucking get on with that. But it's always the audience's choice. They're in charge. It shouldn't be like one person. Not not my audience. My audience go, I like him, but I'm not going to tell a single person. (laughs) I'm going to keep it. And I'm going to keep this to myself. I want him to be successful. I want him just to be successful enough to carry on going (laughs) for 50 years. But then ultimately to have failed. We'll all just withdraw. Just as we realise he's about to die, we'll all withdraw our support. (laughs) So he dies alone in the gutter. Thank you. It's been a lovely life. I've enjoyed it. What's happened? <laughs> is this because of the song when you sang El Canto? It was. They didn't like the Encanto, and, I, and I'm going to have to pay a lot of money for putting that in the podcast. It's going to cost me Your as much. Your looks like a serial killer. I know. Thank you. you I've cut, I've cut out. <laughs> you do that. That's so funny. I've cut How out once from. Thank you. Uh, well, not very long. I, look, I thought that I thought That's really sweet. I'll, I'm going to put all the best emergency questions in a book, and I got like a really big book. Yeah. Look, no. look how, how many pages it takes. <laughs> There, it's, bl- it's blank from there. So I, I overestimated how many good emergency questions I had in my eight books of emergency questions. Are you going to give all your books to, like, a library or something when you part? Like, when uh, when you, I die, yeah, when just when I die. die. Yeah. So I just want to remind you. I'm just going to carry it in as I'm dying. <laughs> I've given uh, some of my stuff's already at the university, the Canterbury University of Kent. That's cool. Um, but, yeah, there's, I've got... I, I hoarded everything, so I've got loads of, like, files full yeah, of our yeah. notes and stuff, but I don't think... I'm not sure how much anyone wants to see the notes the... Lionel Nimrod's inexplicable world. To these. I, think that's, <laughs> I remember Al Murray said to me, it was like the coolest advice. I was because I must have been nineteen as well. Like yeah. you know, when you go into those bars at Edinburgh and you don't really know anyone, and I would always be there. <laughs> Such a weird nineteen-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> I was so tired, but I wanted to go to these places because all the comedians were there. And I remember going to like the Loft Bar. 
and ordering a coffee at two o'clock in the morning because I didn't want to drink because I didn't want to be. And all these drunk comedians having double wines and big beers. And then there's me having a coffee. And I think Al Murray spotted that. I was just a bit lost. And he's like, are you a comedian? I was like, yes, I want to be a comedian when I grow up. I'm trying very hard. And he was like, just write. He said, write everything down. Just write everything down and know your ending first. And he said that, know your ending first. And I've always kept that. But it's funny because I've kept all my diaries. I've written a diary every day since I was 11. Right. And um, I sometimes go back and I time travel and I read them. And it's so funny. You look at the comedy ideas you wrote when you were 18 and you go, there's something there. But I I have the skills now to make that funny. But before, all I could write was buses are funny. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever the other... To clarify, that wasn't the thing. I was like, that's good. Do you know what I mean? And you take it and you're like, oh... But yeah. you should. I go to the V&A sometimes, the Archive Museum, yeah. and you can look at all these old performers from like the war, and you can see all these old letters and these beautiful letters to like pantomime and vaudevillian artists going, "Thank you so much for cheering us up. Our village had been bombed, and we've had a really stressful time <laughs> moving. It was lovely to see your performance of Peter Pan." <laughs> and you're just like, "Oh, I love the industry <laughs> we're in." Good. So this will be in the V&A. <laughs> I think it should. Uh, it should. I think it should be. And then people go, what? They asked to be if they'd ever try to suck their own cock. What? <laughs> um, I don't think that's possible. If you it? could... Uh, it, it, it is possible. But oh, but, oh, believe me. Oh, believe me, it's possible. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> some people can do it. Um, uh, what I was going to ask you, yeah. if you could go into a chrysalis like a caterpillar does and come out of the chrysalis as anything you would want to be, you can choose what you're going to come out as. Oh. What would you come out of the... You're going in as you. Yes. And you could come out as anything. As anything. It can, it can still be you. It can be you adapted. It can be you the same. It can be anything else. Um, oh, goodness. Yeah. It's a hard question. Oh, I'd really like... I'd, I'd love to be like a puffin. Right. <laughs> I'd like to be a puffin. Oh, no, a shark. Yeah. A shark. Oh, yeah. Great white, yeah. great white shark for a bit because that, actually their roots are changing at the moment. It's really okay. interesting because, you know, they think some of them are going to come to Cornwall. Do they? Yeah. So yeah. it's really. Well, it's a nice area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but their roots are fascinating. And, you know, of the there's changing temperatures and Changing the water. temperatures, water changes, um, you know, more cold water in certain areas and others. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I mean, I think sharks are just a beautiful creature. I did a whole show about sharks right. as well, again, okay. which you know, five people came to. Um, so it's interesting, like it's puffing first and then sharks. So the immediate thought was puffing and then you went to shark, which I think might sum you up. <laughs> Like, you are more like a puffin than a shark, but then inside you, the shark is... Oh, I'm very much a shark. Yeah. I'm a shark. Yeah. I'm, I'm, no, I am, actually. I'm, I'm quite strict. Okay. And I'm very... Are, are sharks notoriously oh, strict? Oh, yes. Well, they have to be. <laughs> well, do you know, like, Can't female... mess around when you're a shark. Well, they have really difficult pregnancies, the female sharks as well. So okay. they will have eight pups, on average, with inside themselves. Right. And they will... The, Pups will fight to the death till only one remains before that one is released. And the moment they release, the mother obviously just swims straight off because, you know, she's had a really tough time. Yeah. And, then and that, it's a shark as well. Who wouldn't, shark. who wouldn't run away from that? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so I'd be a shark, I think. Wow. What would you be? Um, I don't have to answer my own questions. <laughs> Convenient. Don't I don't, weirdly, I haven't really thought about this one. I mean, I think I would like to be... Uh, if I could change anything, I don't want to change too much. I'd like myself, but I'd like to be six foot two. You've got very nice hair. I've got nice hair. You've got nice hair, six foot two. You'd look like a Viking. <laughs> yeah, be, well, you could be, be a Viking now. It'd be nice to be tall for a bit. I mean, you are tall. I'm tall. 
But it's you know it is as a man it's one of those things I don't I'm not, I'm not that bothered about it. You're not short though. Oh, I'm pretty short. Five ten. Oh, no. Five seven. Wait, how old are you? I, I'm under five seven. Are you really? Yeah, I'm, small, I'm little. But you come across bigger. I'm so big. So there you go. I've tried to grow outwards in every other direction. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my, my... We're trying to tell the kids not to use the word fat anymore. It, my wife really doesn't like it, but equally, you know, it's an impolite word. So my daughter... And they used to just go on about being fat. Uh, and now I just said, you're big in every direction <laughs> except, uh, except upwards. I don't, know. I, don't, I don't know about the thing about fat. There was one of my kids at my, one of my first schools used to introduce himself as Fat Sid. Yeah. He's like, my name's Fat Sid. And everyone was like, well, you can't call him Fat Sid. I was like, well, I'm not calling him Curvy. <laughs> hey, Curvy Sid. Like, DBS check's going to get taken away. He calls himself fat. If yeah. that's how he introduced himself, it's, fair play it's, to him. Yeah, it's okay if, they, if someone chooses that. But I think it is, you know, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting thing to uh, you know that how much language can affect people early yeah. on and so like in my childhood there would be no fucking chance that anyone would go oh you can't call someone fat they go they would go why aren't you calling that fat kid fat <laughs> start to go fatty fatty blubber yeah you know so we are horrible but you know but also there's something innate in kids where they just want to say the, the, the word you know they just say what they say they it's not even a bad thing because they're not judging it they're just saying it yeah. but you're just also aware that if my five-year-old kid runs into someone who's overweight and says you big fatty that they're gonna <laughs> like at the best just upset the other person yeah at worst get cracked around the head he'll get it one day he deserves it he deserves it <laughs> uh, let me ask you another emergency question um, what is this? I'm very interested. I, mean, I was going to ask you if you've ever seen a ghost, but you've already said. I have seen a ghost. Tell me about your ghosts. Then, and you know, I knew you would have seen a ghost. I'll I have seen. A have ghost. everyone who's going to see a ghost. Well, I saw loads of ghosts when I was a kid at Did school, yeah. um, but then that was why I had to go and see a psychiatrist for a bit. But we won't go into that. <laughs> but the point is, <laughs> this one child who was always following me down the corridors. Anyway, but the point is, I um, so I used to live in Brixton on Brixton, and it's not an exciting ghost story, but um. So I lived on Brixton Road, and there was a lady who lived on the basement floor, like uh, the the, flo- the floor at the bottom of the building. <laughs> and she was an old lady, really, really lovely. And I would occasionally, when I saw her, help her with her bags. And she had one of those wheelie trolleys. Anyway, and I would see her. I and there was a cafe opposite called Di Lietos, and I'd go to Di Lietos all the time and have a coffee and chat to all the guys who worked there. And I went away to Adelaide Fringe and then Perth Festival for about two months, and I came back. And I go to Delietto's and I'm having a coffee and I say, oh, well, what's been going? Oh, I'll tell you the bit with the ghost fest. Uh, so, I came, <laughs> so I came back, anyway, settled in. And as I was coming into the flat, the old lady was coming into the house and yeah. she had her bags. And I was like, oh, hey, how are you doing? We just had a really brief chat. And I said, do you need me to help you carry your stuff in? She's like, oh, no, no, I'm fine. I was like, are you sure? And she went, no, no, I'm all good. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. Went up to my room. Anyway, next day I went down to Delietto's and I asked them what they'd been up to, what's been going on. They were like, oh, well, the old lady died. Um, about a month ago and I was like well no well which old lady they went oh you know the lady on the ground floor and I went oh no well she can't have died because I saw her are you sure because I saw her yesterday and they're like no she did like we've had her funeral she you know the, the hearse was here and everything I was like oh, are you really sure and I was really like because yeah. obviously I'd seen her and they went no if you go and knock her grandchildren have moved in to sort the flat out so I went across and I knocked on the door and her grandchildren opened up and she had died yeah um, did one of the grandchildren look really like her <laughs> and that's why he was thinking, yeah. just went okay, I'm going to go out wearing Granny's shawl. <laughs> no, but it's not an exciting. It's not eerie. It's, but but no, she was br- just, she was literally there, and yeah. then 
They told me that she, it wasn't like she was translucent. <laughs> or she just turned and went... <laughs> <laughs> you know, she so there's no need to help me with my bag because what? <laughs> she, um, I literally told her I'd been to Australia. She was like, how was it? I was like, it's fine, thanks. <laughs> yeah, really good. It's a good one because nearly every ghost story that someone tells, they're asleep and then they wake up and they see a ghost or they're in bed and they see a ghost. But you were awake in that one. Yeah, and it wasn't like, there was nothing going on. Like, you could argue maybe I was jet-lagged, but yeah. then, I mean, to visualise and fantasise a conversation with someone who has minimal input in your life yeah. would be kind of obscure. Yeah, it's pretty good. Have you seen a ghost? Um, we, in, in my house, I live in an old house and there's yeah. lots of weird noises and stuff. And we did, me and my wife um, both would hear a baby crying and then we, when my son was a baby, uh, we'd go into the room and he'd be asleep and he wouldn't be crying. And, but we would both hear the crying. Yeah. But, I mean, it might, you know, it might have been like an owl. Yeah, and also sometimes you can like your think, brain can repeat think, sounds. Yeah, and... because also you when you you're really tired, so like it's all, always when I've seen a ghost of my son, that was very exciting, but he isn't dead. Uh, but, was it a uh, reflection? No, it was my my son came into the like well, I woke up. My son came into the room, and woke me up. So obviously, I was asleep, so it was yeah. a dream. Uh, absolutely, and I can't visual. I, you know, I can't. Uh, I've got aphantasia, so I can only. I can dream, but I can't uh, visualize stuff. So, like, uh, it would be very unusual. So, but it was like 100 percent a solid version of him. He came into the room. He woke me up. I went, oh, what the fuck! And then he went sort of stood by the table with his with his back to me. Uh, and I go, what are you doing? And I re- I reached out to him, and my hand went through through my son. And so I went in to check he was still alive. <laughs> and he was still alive. Uh, and it was, you know, but it was absolutely him. But it was obviously some kind of, you know, coming out of a dream and imagining. But it was so real. So That's really scary. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, it wasn't him and he isn't dead. So. Do you ever get that? I get friends texting me. I, and when I say a lot, I do mean like at least once or twice a month. A random friend who I haven't seen in a while texting goes, hey, are you doing okay? Because I had a dream about you and I just want to check you're all right. And I'm like, what, is, what am I doing in people's subconsciousness where I'm clearly like, oh, help me. And people wake up and feel the need to text. Like, have you ever had that? Or like, no, I think, people just, someone? I think people are just worried about you, Elf. That's what they're thinking. I mean, with good reason. I think I'm fine. Okay, well, you think you're fine, but obviously everyone else is very, very worried about you. They're going, I hope Elf's all right. What if I find out, I look out for this podcast yeah. and then I text you and I'm like, it hasn't been released yet. And then you're like, Elf, we never recorded <laughs> What I get all the time is people fucking tweeting me saying, I've got it again this weekend. So I just, oh, just my son was just looking at your shoes on the tube. And they go, no, he wasn't. Because I'm like, like, all the time, there's a lot of people who look exactly like me. I mean, many of them are in the room, to be fair. Uh, but, uh, but, like, a couple of them actually just prete- also pretend to be. So, so when they're asked, they said... There was a guy who was uh, at a festival, and this guy... And he, and he got a photo taken with this girl. This girl came up to... And she, she said, no, it was great to meet you. And she sent me the photo, and I went, he doesn't really look like me. But the guy was absolutely perfectly happy to go, yeah, I'm Richard Harry. Oh, my God. So someone out there is getting some on the back of... Uh, back of and it's not me, and I'm annoyed about that. Very annoying. Um, uh, look, we're, we're, we're winding up. Is there, is there anything you're doing after Edinburgh you want to t- mention? Is there oh, anything coming I up? Pro- um, what am I doing? Oh, my God, I'm doing loads of stuff. Yeah. Um, 
but I, that didn't mean to sound boastful. But it was like, <laughs> oh, I'm very lucky. Um, so what am I doing? Oh, if you've subscribed to my mailing list, I've been told I've got to start doing this. Yeah. On my website, Elf Lions, that's my name. Yeah. Um, I recorded a special here, actually, in April of me just improvising stand-up for an hour. Right. It wasn't meant to be improvised, <laughs> but I got distracted. Um, and it actually, you know, overall, very consistently good. good. Well, um, but releasing that on um, my website. And so that was really fun. And then I'm basically, I'm just making and working in horror stuff. Raven, which was my a show I did last Edinburgh, which I toured, was the, so it's a one-woman horror show where I reenact all of Stephen King's books, but then turn into a booth on a monster at the end. I'll probably be redoing that again. Right. And then touring Duffy and I That's show. That's the one you bite the guy's dicks off at the end of. Yeah, so yeah. I smash up loads of vegetables to rage against the machine. Right. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Okay. Um, and it's really, it's really fun, really punk. Good. And I smash up a whole giant watermelon with my head. Because <laughs> um, uh, it's quite powerful. Yeah. And... Uh, and yes, and it reenacts Carrie. You know, Are you ever worried the, the watermelon might win that one? No, I ended up in hospital. Yeah. Um, but not, it's the second day of Edinburgh. I nearly <laughs> died. Not because of the water. Well, there was water on the stage. And it was, and I flipped backwards and landed Ooh. on my head. And I lost my eyesight. And my nose started bleeding. I finished the show. Um, <laughs> I did finish the show. Um, and you know what's so funny is I got reviewed that night. And the reviewer, and I, de- I love reviews. So funny, but this review was like, at some point, she seems disorientated. <laughs> but I had to go to hospital because of my ears. Were, like I was really, really sick. Wow. Um, and John Robertson, you know, John Robertson does the John Robertson who does the dark room. Yes. One of the best human beings in the whole wide world took me to A and E with McParen's management, and they were all with me, and I had to have a CT scan. And they were like, you have such a bad concussion we would recommend you do not perform for the rest of the fringe and i was like i can't do that because it's quite expensive (laughs) i need to do the show so i i can't remember the first week of the festival and i had to wear a funny little helmet there's really funny pictures of me. I did the show, and you know what? Overall, good. Like, yeah. I, I got or if someone with brain damage. It was pretty. Yeah, good. I got. Do you know what? I have this. Got standing ovations every single night, and I'm really annoyed because I can't remember a single fucking one of them. But I think that's pretty cool. That's but amazing. then after that, we had to come up with a special reflex for the mallet. So I hold a hammer and I flick it down, and a mallet. And I would normally throw it up until you go and catch it. And obviously, that's quite hard when you've got double vision. Um, <laughs> so I had to wear these like little cords around my wrist, so I could always. It was always attached to my hand. Yes. Well, you're very committed to your work, Elf. I'm an artist. Which is what I love about you. Mummy's an artist. <laughs> Remind us where Heist is on, where we can see Heist in Edinburgh. Heist is at the Monkey Barrel at 8.40pm. And it has an interpreter as well who voices Duffy. So if you've got any deaf, hard of hearing friends, do yes. obviously spread the word. And also if you are uh, blind or visually impaired, I audio describe the show. So you are able to understand it regardless. I don't think the show, I'm not sure if the venue's wheelchair accessible. I, I think it might be, but that's something to be checked out. Okay, yeah. I mean, many of them are not. So, that's the, that's so the, the monkey. The monkey barrel might. Monkey be, barrel's anyway. overall yeah, pretty amazing pretty in good. most regards. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the most affordable. It's the best one. Like, yes. it's just categorically the best. For the, for the audience and the acts as well as I just think for, for everyone, it's yeah. just the most healthy model. Yes. But they're all trying that. Well, some of, some venues are trying better than others. They but are. yeah, I'm excited. I don't. I don't care. I'm yes. having a lovely time. Good. Well, that is the main thing. Go and have a lovely time. And uh, I, you know, I'm, I would say that I'd. I envy you for going, but I don't. I'm glad I'm not going this year. So maybe I'll go back in the future. And ladies and gentlemen, please give it up the amazing Elf Lions. Thank you very much. You have been listening to Rahalastabo with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Elf Lions. The music is by Scant Regard. I'm in Jeff Zoo, Chris Evans, not that one. George, the incompetent Sandman. Ben Evans, not that one. 
and everyone at the Bill Murray Pub, thank you for your kind regards and having us at your venue. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and Go Fast Stripe.com production. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash fallback slash tour or richtang.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.